I'm Damian Bolwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, is San Francisco's pandemic exodus over? As the coronavirus spread last year, many residents went into remote work mode and left the city, seeking roomier homes in more affordable areas. But with vaccinations increasing, the pandemic fading, and San Francisco businesses reopening, the trend finally seems to be slowing down, though the future of downtown San Francisco remains somewhat up in the air. My guest today is Susie Nielsen. I'm really excited to have her on because she is a reporter on the Chronicle's new data team, which has been doing incredible work. I want to ask her how she tracks numbers on migration into and out of San Francisco and a lot of other things like birth rates and vaccine hesitancy. Susie, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for asking, Damien. Well, thanks for coming on, Susie. Before we get into the exodus, which is something that people have been talking about throughout the pandemic, first of all, the data team. What does it do? Why was it important to start? Well, uh, the data team is a brand new addition to the Chronicle. It is composed of our editor, Dan Kopf, and then myself and two other brilliant women named Nami Sumida and Yu Hian Jung. And we are a small but mighty team that basically uses numbers to understand trends, stories, other things going on in the Bay Area. We're the same kind of thing as any other journalist. We do similar things. We're storytellers. We just use numbers as sources and try to use different types of numbers to drill down on things that really matter to our readers. Yeah, that's why I was so fascinated by these exodus numbers. You know, everybody wonders, how do you figure out how people are moving around San Francisco? How do you figure out how they're moving around the Bay Area? So how did you do it? So we use numbers from the United States Postal Service. So the USPS keeps data on who files change of address requests into and out of all zip codes in the whole country. So say you want to move from San Francisco to Austin, like, you know, a lot of people have been saying that that's a thing that's been happening. Um, you might file a change of address request with the USPS from a zip code in San Francisco to a zip code in Austin. And we have access to that data so we can look at all of these different movements over months and years. And so to do this story that I did this week, uh, looking at San Francisco's migration patterns, we looked at USPS change of address requests both into and out of San Francisco. We basically subtracted the total number of movements out of the city from the number of movements in, and we found that in both 2019 and 2020, actually, more people have been leaving San Francisco than coming into the city. But in 2020, there was a huge increase in the number of people leaving the city, which peaked in August of 2020. Um, 8,000 more people left the city than came into it. Um, and I should actually say households rather than people, because these are, you know, a family could be filing one change of address request. OK. And not everyone files them, of course, but it gives you a, a pretty yeah. good picture. Where were people moving? For other previous stories that we've done on USPS data, we found you know, there's this idea that everybody's moving to Miami and Austin and these other kind of lower tax hubs of Idaho. innovation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Idaho. Totally. Seattle, my personal favorite because I'm from Seattle. But we actually found that most people who are filing these change of address requests are moving to other more affordable regions in northern and central California. Um, my, I think one of my favorite stories is that a lot of people are moving to Truckee right near Lake Tahoe because 
you know, people want to be skiing, they want to be near more natural areas, um, which actually leads into the other story that we wanted to talk about, which was the baby bust. Um, just an interesting fact is that while most of California's birth rates have declined, Truckee saw a huge increase in births last year. So those are people that are moving to Truckee, maybe while mm -hmm. pregnant and then... Potentially, yeah. Um, but yeah, basically people are moving to other parts of California. They're not all moving to Austin. So that is something that we've looked at a lot over the last couple of months. Okay, so you see the numbers jumping after the pandemic begins and it, and it gives this picture that I think a lot of people suspected is that people, what, they don't, they don't need to live near the, or they didn't need to live near the office. And so they're doing remote work and they're moving out and it, and it spikes for a while, um, but then it, it started to slow down, right? Right, yeah. So August was the peak of the exodus or the kind of out migration. And then starting in August, you see those numbers start to decrease. So September, October, November, December, I think it decreased to about 3,000 net migrations outward. And as of January and February, we are getting close to the level that we were back in January and February of 2019. I think in, in January and February, around 1,500 households were leaving compared to coming in. Um, and now I think in January and February of this year, we are at around 2,000 net moves out. So we're getting there. We're not quite there. Uh, but if trends continue, San Francisco will only be losing as many people as it was losing before the pandemic. Well, let's talk about why people have been so fascinated with it. Now, obviously, the first thing that you hear, which I think is not a big part of it, probably, but you can you can tell me is this the sort of culture war aspect of it, that people are leaving San Francisco because it's a hellhole and it is not a hellhole. But there's a lot of questions that I think people really are interested about. Do you need to live in the city anymore? Um, do you need to to work in an office? Um, and are San Francisco rents and home prices going to continue to rise astronomically? Yeah, these are all great questions. And first of all, I would like to personally push back on the idea that San Francisco is a hellhole. I go there a lot. I live in Oakland, but I visit the city a lot. And I love Golden Gate Park. I love lots of things about the city. Um, and the other thing is that I think I just want to make sure that we're being specific about what's happening here. It's not that the city is losing population in droves, although last year it probably did lose some people. The movements into the city from other countries and births in the city actually have made up for the net migration outwards. So it's not that it's decreasing in population. It's just growing slightly. Um, I think this migration data does point to this really interesting question that, you know, economists, sociologists, journalists have been grappling with for the last year about what the pandemic will do to the concentration of people in urban centers. And San Francisco is kind of ground zero for this because housing is so expensive and because there are a lot of other centrally located places that you can live if you have to, you know, if your commute isn't every single day and you can, you know, work from home a couple days a week, you can totally move to a really nice place an hour out that's a lot more affordable. But I think it remains to be seen what will happen. I think we'll probably see people move in again in the next year as things start to open up. But will the city's population and 
bustle match pre-pandemic, we don't know yet. And I think data can only tell us so much about that. I think we'll start to see it with our own eyes and we'll see, we'll hear more personal stories soon. Uh, but data can kind of give you the beginnings of an understanding of what's happening. All right. And as particularly the price of avocado toast, I find to be a great <laughs> indicator of San Francisco. Susie, let's take a quick break. I want to ask you about some of your other work of late. We'll be back with Susie Nielsen on Fifth and Mission right after this. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by Susie Nielsen, a Chronicle reporter on the new data team that we have and doing some incredible work. Susie, I want to ask you a little bit about that. Your latest story, you've been looking at vaccine hesitancy. And what are you finding? Lucky for us in the San Francisco metropolitan area, which includes San Francisco, Oakland, and Berkeley, uh, residents in this area are way less likely to show vaccine hesitancy. So we looked at data from um, the census puts out this thing called a household pulse survey, where they survey people all over the country um, on a weekly basis and ask them questions about COVID. So one of the questions is, you know, have you gotten the vaccine? Another is, if you haven't, then are you likely to get a vaccine? And they break it down by demographics um, and location. So yeah, so we looked at the numbers of currently unvaccinated people in San Francisco uh, compared to the rest of the U.S. for the last week of April. And we found that among unvaccinated people in San Francisco, almost three quarters of those people say they're still going to get the vaccine. They plan on getting it. Um, to kind of compare that to the rest of the U.S., only 40% of currently unvaccinated American adults said that they were planning on getting the vaccine. So that's a huge gap, especially when you consider that San Franciscans are already more likely to be vaccinated than the rest of the U.S. 50% um, of San Franciscans are already fully vaccinated, whereas I think in the rest of the U.S., it's just over 50% that have a shot. So this gap is probably only going to widen in the next few months. And it's, it's great news as San Francisco moves into the yellow tier. Things are reopening. It gives you some confidence that San Francisco will be continuing to do pretty well relative to everyone else. Yes, definitely. That being said, um, we are still seeing, as in the rest of the country, we're seeing higher rates of vaccine hesitancy among some of the groups that are hardest hit by coronavirus. So according to this survey, unvaccinated survey respondents in the Bay Area who identified as Hispanic or Latino were the most likely to say that they would not get a vaccine. And that was 19% of those respondents. So we still have a lot of work to do in terms of reaching out to those communities. And I actually spoke to some San Francisco public health officers who talked about some of the initiatives they've been doing. So they've been trying to, um, one of the things they're really excited about is getting doctors to vaccination sites to answer questions that people have when they are thinking about getting the vaccine. So, you know, is it safe? Is it safe for me if I'm pregnant? What are the side effects? And are they going to be really debilitating? Data shows that a lot of these folks trust their doctors first and foremost. Um, and so ha by having a doctor at this vaccination site or at these vaccination sites, that'll go a long way in terms of combating vaccine hesitancy. And again, one of the big inequities in the whole pandemic has been you know, communities of color that have had higher rates at times, sometimes not as good testing and, and sometimes not as good treatment. So it sounds like the effort is to make sure that doesn't continue through the vaccine. Yeah. And I think there's still a long way to go, but I think 
the city is very aware of those disparities. And that's part of the reason why a lot of the mass vaccination sites and pop-up vaccination sites have been in harder hit black and brown communities in San Francisco. All right, let's go back to the the baby bust, which is not just happening in Truckee and the, the beautiful Tahoe area, but what is going on with people having children? Yeah, so Damien, this is kind of a weird thing that's been happening nationwide since the recession. We have seen a decline in birth rates in the United States. And that's for a number of reasons. I think different people will tell you all kinds of things. I know, you know, many people in my demographic, uh, I'm a young millennial. Um, we just are not in the position to be, you know, raising families given our financial position relative to other generations. But um, specifically, we were interested in looking at how the pandemic had changed birth rates in the state of California. Um, so basically, we looked at birth rate data for January and February of this year, 2021, which is about the time that early pandemic babies would be due. And we compared that to January and February of 2020, so right before the pandemic. And we found that there was a 15% decline in live births during that period, which is pretty remarkable, especially when you think back to, I remember when I was looking at the beginning of the pandemic on Twitter, and there were all these jokes about this pandemic baby boom because people were staying at home and had nothing else to do, you know. Um, but I would guess that any sane person would tell you that that's not really what they're in the mood for during at the beginning of a global pandemic where everyone's really stressed out and layoffs are happening and all this other stuff. Yeah. And your kids are home and, and taking remote school. Yeah. You definitely don't want another one. <laughs> You're trying to deal with the other ones. <laughs> so it was just the opposite though. Yeah, exactly. So there was a baby bust in California and in the Bay area, it was even worse. Um, we saw an 18% decline in births uh, compared to the 15% overall in California. Okay, so does that tell us that the boom is now on its way? You know, I don't know. I think we'll have to wait for more data to figure that out. All right, Susie, thank you so much for joining me. We'll, we'll look forward to your work and the data team's work. Thank you so much, Damien. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle reporter Susie Nielsen, to Erica Carlos for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>